As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of the Athletic FPL Podcast. I'm Mark McGettigan, you can find me on Twitter at FPL General. Game week 12 is in the books and the madness is about to begin. The next three game weeks will be played out over the course of 10 days. The game week 13 deadline is Saturday at 11am UK time, which is 90 minutes before the Arsenal-Newcastle game. The next three deadlines are Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, so keep that in mind. On today's episode, I'll run through the Game Week 12 headlines, do a quick Game Week review, update the watch list, answer Twitter questions, and discuss Game Week 13 captaincy and transfers. There will be another Athletic FPL podcast on Friday, so make sure you hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening for that one. And if you'd like to become a subscriber to The Athletic, visit theathletic.com forward slash FPL pod to get yourself a discount off an annual subscription. In doing so, you'll get ad-free versions of this podcast. The Game Week 12 headlines, the Chelsea defenders smashed it again, and Tony Rudiger, Rhys James and Ben Chilwell racking up 35 points between them against Leicester, and it's four blanks on the bounce for Jamie Vardy. Steven Gerrard got off to a good start, his Aston Villa side beating Brighton 2-0, Ollie Watkins scored a great goal in that one. There were two very exciting 3-3 draws in Game Week 12, Burnley versus Crystal Palace and Newcastle versus Brentford. Christian Benteke scored a brace, Maxwell Corney got his fifth of the season and Ivan Toney hit the back of the net for the first time since Game Week 5. Yay! Timo Pukki was on the score sheet as Dean Smith got off to a winning start at Norwich, beating Southampton 2-1 at Carrow Road. Manchester United were humiliated by Watford, losing 4-1 in what was to be Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's last game in charge. Emmanuel Dennis registered his third double-digit haul of the campaign with a goal and two assists. Josh King got his fourth goal of the season and Ben Foster got a cheeky assist. He loved that one as an avid FPL player himself. Raul Jimenez was the match winner as Wolves beat West Ham 1-0 at Molyneux. Liverpool ran out comfortable winners, 4-0 against Arsenal. Salah, Mane and Jota all scored while Trent assist Arnold added two more to bring his season tally to six. 
On Sunday, João Cancelo returned 12 points with an assist in City's 3-0 win over Everton, but Mr Kane and Mr Son blanked in Tottenham's 2-1 win over Leeds, having been popular transfers in ahead of the game week. Sergio Regulon did score though to give us yet another wing-back to choose from this season. Game week 12 shoutouts. Unfortunately, there's no new members to the 59th Minute Club this week. Just a few notable mentions as always. Phil Foden almost became the first high-profile member to join the club. 57 minutes for Foden, just a one-pointer, which makes it three blanks in a row now. Very frustrating for his owners. Kai Havertz and Mason Mount manages 61 minutes each. Matthias Klitsch, who is already in the club, was very close to being the first player to get a second shout-out. He got 58 minutes for Leeds. Players who also got 58 minutes, Pablo Fornals at West Ham and Godos at Brentford. Half-time substitutions for Rashford, Cantwell, Harvey Barnes and Lookman. Danny Ings managed just 65 minutes on his return, having missed the previous two games. Che Adams got the start for Southampton. He scored, but he was taken off after 61 minutes, but he still managed to get all three bonus points. And Jordan Ayew, who started ahead of Alton Edward, managed 57 minutes. Tarek Lamptey, special shout-out. Brighton lost 2-0, but Lamptey got the clean sheet because he was taken off before Aston Villa scored their two goals. 78 minutes for Lamptey. And the other wing-back at Brighton, Cucurella, was also substituted early 63 minutes. So as always, keep an eye on the clocks at the weekend and tag me in a tweet if someone gets the dreaded substitution. While I was looking at player minutes this week, I also thought it's a good time to look at yellow cards as well. So when a player gets five yellows they have to set out one game so this weekend players suspended are Richarlison and most notably I think at Burnley James Tarkowski and Ashley Westwood are suspended for the Tottenham game so Burnley are going to be without two of their key players for that Tottenham game so possibly good news for Kane and Son in game week 13. The players on four yellow cards so if you're going to buy any of these players you've got to keep in mind if they get one more yellow, they're going to have to sit out the next game. So Laporte at Manchester City. At Brighton, Duffy and Veltman are on four yellows, although Veltman was benched at the weekend. At Newcastle, Matt Ritchie and Jamal Lascelles. Luke Shaw at Manchester United. Tyrone Mings and John McGinn at Aston Villa. Brownhill at Burnley. Declan Rice at West Ham. And most notably, I think, Callum Wilson at Newcastle. So bear in mind, Wilson is on four yellow cards. We could have another Diego Costa situation from a few years ago where a lot of managers didn't buy Diego Costa because he was on four yellows. He kept scoring every single week. I think he scored 20 goals that season. And the yellow card, I don't think it ever came. Or if it did, it took about two months for it to arrive. So yeah, keep in mind those players who are on four yellow cards. As far as I know... It's the first half of the season, so the first 19 games is when it will change to 10 yellow cards, so I need to double check that. I think that's what it was last season, and I presume it's the same this season. A quick review of how Game Week 12 went for me. I banked my transfer. I went into the Game Week expecting a red arrow because I didn't have players that I really wanted, like Rhys James, Jota, Phil Foden and Harry Kane. Those were the four players I feared and two of them did really well and two of them did not do so well. But it was 68 points in the end. My red arrow wasn't too bad. 
because the likes of Kane and Foden didn't do much. 34k dropped down to 45k, so still absolutely delighted to be in the top 50k at this stage of the season. So it's a good platform to build on. The good and the bad. The good, first of all, all the defenders as usual. Trent, 15. Cancelo, 12. Chilwell with 9. Should have been a lot more for Chilwell as well. Hit the crossbar. And Schmeichel made a very good save also to deny him. So on another day, could have been a massive Chilwell score. So very happy to hold on to him. Salah captain with 16. Mr. Consistent. And he's probably going to be my captain for the next three or four game weeks as well. And Ivan Tony, finally, you heard my celebration there when I was reading out, you know, it's first goal, I think, since game week five. So the only reason we have Tony, those of us who do have him, is because there's very few other options elsewhere. So good to see him finally get a goal and hopefully there's a few more to come in the near future. The bad blanks for Ramsdale, which was expected against Liverpool. Liveramento, disappointing against Norwich. Son, Antonio and Vardy. So we're well used to strikers blanking at this stage. I also had Rafinha, who didn't feature due to illness. Very frustrating. Rafinha's missed so many games this season for various reasons. And I got Mbumo off the bench for a massive two-pointer. So I'm looking forward to selling Mbumo. I'm totally tired of that guy i think he hit the post again i think it was given us offside but that's what's that seven times seven or eight times a season crazy crazy numbers a watch list updates players added first of all just five options added they're actually all strikers this week which doesn't happen very often mainly because i'm pretty happy with my defense and my midfield so i'm not looking to change too much in those positions apart from the obvious players i mentioned that i don't have like reese james and the jota so players added mainly because i'm probably going to sell vardy this week so i'm in the market for a striker so i've i'm casting my net a little bit wider maybe than i usually would when it comes to forward so ollie watkins scored a great goal could have a big season under Steven Gerrard. Now, the issue with Watkins and Aston Villa is the fixtures are tricky for the next, I think it's four game weeks. So I probably won't be buying Watkins before that. I think there's at least two very difficult games in there. So going to keep an eye on him, see how he performs and maybe look to bring him in in four or five game weeks time. I've added Christian Benteke back to the watch list. He's kind of been on and off it for most of the season, but he's having a very good season. Uh, I think... You know, he's getting lots and lots of chances. He's still missing those typical Benteke good chances, but he's, the sheer volume he's getting is getting him the goal. So good to see him score another two at the weekend. He seems to be ahead of Edward in the pecking order. So Benteke, I think, is a pretty decent option. We need to forget, in particular, those of us who've been playing FPL for a long time, we need to kind of forget about what Benteke's done in the past and try and judge him on this season because this is a completely different Crystal Palace team. He's got really good service from the likes of Gallagher and Zaha. So Benteke is an option, I think with good fixtures as well. I've also added Sant Maximin. He was very impressive in that 3-3 draw. I think he got a goal and an assist. And he, he always passes the eye test because he's a very exciting attacking player. Could do well under Eddie Howe. So Wilson already on the watch list. Sant Maximin is also there. I do still think Wilson's the better option. But if cash is an issue and you want a Newcastle attacker, I think Sant Maximin is a pretty good pick as well. Timo Pukki back on the watch list also now with a new manager straight off the bat got himself a nice goal nice header at the near post Pukki nice and cheap on penalties should take over over a long period of time hopefully more so now under Dean Smith so Pukki back on the radar and Dennis also 
added from Watford. Josh King was already on my watch list. And I've added Dennis. I think he's gone up to 5.3 million overnight. I think Josh King is 5.6. So not much difference in price and not much difference in performance either. Dennis having a very impressive season. Josh King is also ticking along nicely. And I'll talk more about those two guys when it gets to my transfer section. Players removed from the watch list. Lots of defenders removed because, again, I'm very happy with my defence of Chilwell. Trent Cancelo. I'm looking to add Reese James. I've got Liveramento. So basically that, like for many people this season, that kind of rules out every other defender in the game. So there's no reason for, for me to have these guys on my watch list. John Stones, because I think there will be rotation. We've seen it with Diaz at the weekend. He's got Diaz, Stones and Laporte to choose from. He's even got Nathan Ake if he wants, who, who came off the bench. So too much rotation at centre-back for my liking at Manchester City. Stones is gone. Tyrick Mitchell is gone as well. Crystal Palace are excellent this season, but they are conceding plenty of goals despite having good underlying statistics. So I didn't like to see them conceding three goals at the weekend. Mitchell also doesn't offer much attack and threat. I've removed Lamptey as well. You know, I do like Lamptey, but again, can't find a space for him if I've got Liveramento. Rico Henry, back-to-back goals for Brentford. Again, same reasons. Happy with my defence, not looking to add any of these cheap defenders anytime soon. I've removed Smith Rowe from the watch list. Again, I, I probably could have just left him there, but the main reason I removed him is because I prefer Connor Gallagher in the same price bracket. So if I do go for a midfielder around six million anytime soon, it's going to be the Crystal Palace man. That's why I removed Smith Rowe. That's not to say I think he's still a pretty decent option. Wilfred Zaha also gone because if I buy a Crystal Palace midfielder, it's going to be Gallagher. It's just he's cheaper. He's very, very consistent. So I don't see any reason to spend the extra cash on Zaha. I've also removed Huang from Wolves. I think it's three or four blanks in a row now. Just haven't seen enough from him. Tends to spend a lot of the time playing quite wide while Jimenez is more central. So again, if I buy a Wolves striker, I'm going to find the cash for Jimenez over Huang. And finally, Aubameyang removed 10 million roughly. You know, very hard to fit him in. You know, I've got Vardy to remove, but I'm looking to take the cash out of Vardy and put it into defence and midfield instead of going for a player like Aubameyang. Just hasn't done enough recently anyway to justify inclusion. So that is the watch list updated ahead of game week 13. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Moving on now to the questions from Twitter. The first one is from FPL Badgerman. If five at the back is a genuine option, can we say the Chelsea defensive triple-up is viable, along with Trent and Cancelo? 
with James and Chilwell effectively playing as wingers and collective ownership of two Chelsea defenders being above 120%. So yeah, you know, a good example at the weekend, I had only one Chelsea defender. And as soon as they got that clean sheet, it really hurt me because there's a lot of people with two Chelsea defenders and there's a few who also have the triple up. So I do think the triple up is viable, but it all depends on if you're happy to know you can't get to a Chelsea midfielder or Lukaku when he's back. There is a lot of rotation in the Chelsea midfield anyway. We've seen it with Havertz and Mason Mount coming off early at the weekend. So most people probably will be happy enough to forego the Chelsea midfielders. But Lukaku's the big one. Do you want to leave the door open for him to get him easily? Or do you want to just go after the defenders who have been so consistent? Even Rudiger. You know, I would find it very hard to sell Rudiger. I know a lot of people are going to be tempted to go Rudiger to James or Chilwell because you know because of what they've been doing but Rüdiger even as a centre-back he's got so much freedom to get forward he does create a few chances he, he probably will get goals and assists from open play if he continues in the same role and we've seen him obviously a big threat from set pieces getting the goal at the weekend so I do think if you're on two Chelsea defenders and you're looking to put even more cash into defence I do like it you know a lot of people are set up with Liveramento and four expensive defenders but I think if you're brave enough to lose Liveramento and go for an extra Chelsea defender or maybe a Regulon or something like that, you could be rewarded because it is the season of the defender so far. And by letting go of Liveramento, who may not be as good going forward as he was a couple of weeks ago, I think it's, it's something to think about. If you really want to go hard after these defenders, let's say you want to keep Rüdiger rather than sell him for James or Chilwell, you know you should consider losing Liveramento for a fifth good defender because that's where the points are and there's no reason why it's not going to continue when we've got these good defences at Liverpool City and Chelsea. So yeah, I think Chelsea triple up in defence is viable and it's something I'm going to think about myself over the next couple of game weeks. But obviously Lukaku is the big factor there. But you know, the way I'm thinking about it, even when Lukaku was fit, he wasn't doing much and he's double the price of these Chelsea defenders. So you can get a third Chelsea defender instead of Lukaku and hopefully going to be much better value and then use the six million or whatever you save elsewhere in your squad so it's perfectly viable and i think we will see a lot of people doing it question from panayots double city defense here cancelo and diaz is it best to switch to double chelsea james and chilwell i've already got james so panayot is considering doing diaz to chilwell and this has kind of been a common question over the last couple of game weeks should i sell diaz for a Chelsea wing back. And I think my answer's always been the same. I think it is a good move if you don't have other issues in your squad to deal with. You know, very important. We're going into a very busy period now. If you've got, let's say you've got a very weak bench, if you've got three outfield players on your bench who don't get any minutes, I would fix that before I would go Diaz to Chilwell. But if your bench is fine, if the rest of your squad is fine, then I think Diaz to Chilwell is a good move. I thought Chilwell passed the eye test with flying colours. You know, himself and Rhys James are just unbelievable for FPL this season. I think we should all be looking to get both of them into our side. So yes, if there's no other issues, I would be quite happy to lose Diaz for Chilwell, even though it's Manchester United this week for Chelsea, because at the moment, that's a very good fixture. I think Chelsea could easily keep a clean sheet in that one. Question from FPL Bo. Antonio has 23 points from his last nine game weeks. I'm just giving myself a second to let that sink in. Che Adams has the same, 23 points in that period. Jolinton has 22 and Broya has 21. It really, it's like a dagger to the heart as an Antonio owner when you know Jolinton has got one point less than Antonio over the last nine game weeks. Jolinton actually looked pretty good 
at the weekend. But yeah, I need to I need to start talking sense again rather than going down the Joe Linton route. Going back to Antonio, uh, FBL Bo says, this is the level he is at and what striker do we go for now? So I've made a few notes on this. The first thing I've noted down is even I'm wavering on Antonio now. I've probably been one of the biggest fans of keeping Antonio this season. I've been saying it every week. I don't see any reason to sell him. West Ham are great. Antonio's great. But when you break it down into points over the last game weeks, it's been dreadful. You know, 23 points over the last nine is awful. The other note I've got here is, can I be confident in any other striker at the same price or less to outscore him over the next few game weeks? My answer is no. I think the main reason a lot of us still have Antonio is because we're reluctant to go to the alternatives. That's what I keep coming back to. You know, I've noted a few down here. Jimenez, can he outscore him? Maybe. But Jimenez does only have three goals scored this season. Callum Wilson, maybe. Watkins, possibly. But the fixtures are not great. And my final note is we need Calvert-Lewin and Bamford back as soon as possible. So it's getting to the point now where it's hard to make an argument for keeping Antonio when he's not doing an awful lot, but I still fall on the side of I don't love any of the strikers on my watch list at the moment. To me, Antonio is not the weakest link in my squad yet. Give it another week or two and maybe he will be. So, you know, I wouldn't stop anyone from selling them. But for me, I'm still focusing on improving other areas of my squad, in particular defence and midfield. You know, I've got the likes of Mbumo and I want to go back to four at the back rather than three. So Antonio is going to stay for me, but it is getting to the point where it's getting hard to make an argument for keeping him now. So hopefully, before too long, he's back in the goals. Question from Adam Taylor. Who are the best under 6.5 million forwards? Is Dennis the obvious choice? Adam is looking to strengthen his bench for the busy period. So this is exactly what I'm going to do this week as well. I'm going to look to improve my bench for the busy run of fixtures. And the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to essentially turn Mbumo into a cheap striker under 6.5 million. You know what? I've got more faith in these cheaper strikers than I do Mbumo if they're coming off my bench as a first sub because some of them have penalties and, and I just prefer strikers to midfielders anyway around this price point. So... Who are the best options? Adam asks, is Dennis the obvious one? I don't think he's the obvious one, but I do think he's as good as anyone else. I reluctantly watched the Watford-Manchester United game back late last night when, when my wife went to bed because I'm looking at Dennis and King myself this week. So I basically watched the game totally focused on Watford players only and just ignored what Manchester United were doing because obviously there's a change of manager there now anyway. So you know, I went into the game before I switched it on thinking Josh King is the player that I want, but I went in with an open mind and I was keeping a close eye on Dennis as well. And very noticeably, you know, first 20, 25 minutes, Dennis was more central and King was kind of playing more on the left. But over the course of the game, Josh King still gets into very good positions and I, st- I think he's the better striker. Uh, you know, I think he, he manufactures chances for himself at times more so than Dennis does. Basically, I think there's very little between the two. Um... There's only 0.3 price difference now as well. The thing I like about King, he has got more minutes recently. I think it's he's a 90-minute man, whereas Dennis sometimes can be taken off. But he's, he's playing very well, so he's probably going to stay in the team. And Sar's got an injury now as well. So if that's a long-term injury, you know Dennis is probably going to be safer in the team. So I think Dennis and, and Josh King, it's a bit of a coin flip. But you know going on historical data as well, you know I've always been a big fan of Josh King. I think he's a really good striker. 
And I think there's a chance Josh King maybe will get penalties now as well if Sar is out. Even if he's not out, you know, Sar missed both penalties. So surely there's going to be a different penalty taker there now. I think it was clear to see Cleverly really wanted to take the second one. I think Cleverly wanted to take the first one, but Captain Sissoko said, no, it's going to be Sar. So interesting to see what happens with penalties there. Josh King has taken penalties successfully in the past. So I'm hoping if I go for King that he will get them. I mean, it could be Dennis. I probably need to do a bit of research on penalties there, but who knows uh, what Ranieri will do. So yeah, Dennis and King, I really like both of them. I like what Ranieri's doing at Watford. I just like them as first bench options when you need them during this busy period. The other options, Pukki, who I mentioned, I think is a fine option as well at a similar price. Benteke, if you fancy going there. The thing about Benteke is, I think Gallagher is the best Crystal Palace player to go for. And you're probably not going to want to have Gallagher and Benteke. Feels like a little bit too much from Crystal Palace. You've got Adam Armstrong at Southampton. But there's three strikers fighting for two spots there. So I don't like that. And then Huang is also under 6.5 million. But I've removed him from my watch list as well. So I think it does come down to the Watford guys. Or maybe Pukki if you want to go there. Uh, Benteke if you're feeling very brave. But for me I'm slightly leaning towards Josh King as my Vardy replacement in order to to put cash into defence and midfield. Question from Ryo. Should we trust the fixtures and keep Vardy or just sell him because he's a two-points player too frequently? Recently, at 10 million quid, there is a limit to patience. Absolutely, there's a limit to patience and my patience has gone. Four blanks for Vardy. The issue, I think, is not so much Vardy. Leicester are a very unpredictable team this season. Rodgers is chopping and changing a lot in terms of personnel and formations. They just haven't been good, which affects Vardy big time. So for that reason, as they say on Dragon's Den, I'm out when it comes to Jimmy Vardy. The fixtures are very good. You know, next four, Leicester are actually second in the fixture ticker behind Tottenham. It's Watford, Southampton, Villa and Newcastle in the next four. So I'm already ready for the punishment. You know, you sell Vardy this week, you know, probably do well over that run of fixtures. But again, three fixtures in 10 days or whatever it is. Do I think Vardy will start all three? Possibly not. I think Vardy might be on the bench for one of those three games given his age and given his previous hip issues as well. So that's another reason why I'm going to lose him. So yeah, for me, Vardy is a sell this week and hopefully he doesn't punish us. Question from Mike Martyr. How essential are Son and Kane when we could double up on the Chelsea wingbacks for half the price instead? So yeah, very simply... If you're considering this week going for a Son or a Kane or a Chelsea wingback, I think the easy answer is get a Chelsea wingback. I know it's Manchester United this week for Chelsea and Tottenham have a good fixture, but the Chelsea guys are the players to own this season. Son and Kane, that first half performance against Leeds, the Tottenham fans were booing at halftime. So that tells you all you need to know about the first half performance. Second half, they were better, but again... Son and Kane at the moment, not justifying their price tags. I would prioritise getting the two Chelsea wingbacks instead. Next question is from Paul Hodgson. Paul is looking to replace Mbumo but has nothing in the bank. Is there any decent replacements around that price? Or should I take money out of Antonio or Tony? So yeah, had a look at my watch list. I don't have any midfielders on my watch list who cost the same price or cheaper than Mbumo. So if you are removing him, it's probably got to be part of a double move at some point and you've got to look to upgrade him to someone like Gallagher. I also like Jared Bowen, you know, Trossard possibly if you want a differential, uh, Corney at Burnley. But I think the best thing to do is try and stretch to Jota if you can and if he's fit 
after his knock at the weekend, or, or even a full Foden. I still do like Foden even after the blind. So yeah, I think you should probably try and upgrade and Bumo to one of those guys that I mentioned, or maybe maybe even downgrade and Bumo and get yourself a better defender if you want an extra defender. Question from Benno. Is Rafinha a hold or is it time to move to Jota if he's fit? I still think Rafinha's a hold, as frustrating as he has been. Uh, next three fixtures for Leeds are Brighton, Crystal Palace and Brentford. You know, all three of those teams concede goals. You know, Brighton have just conceded two, Crystal Palace just conceded three, as did Brentford. So I think Rafinha, as long as he gets over this illness, hopefully it's not COVID related. Hopefully it's just a little sniffle and he's back for game week 13. So yeah, I think Rafinha for me is a hold. But would I stop anyone going Rafinha to Jota if Jota is fit? No. If you think Jota is a better option and you don't have other issues in your squad, I think that's fine to do so. Question from FPL Shoreham. Can we now start to look at Bernardo Silva as a legitimate option? I must have had about 15 questions about Bernardo Silva this week, so I thought I'd better cover it. The notes I've written down here for this one are... Silva is not on my watch list because I prefer Foden from the Manchester City midfield and I can't see myself doubling up. I've also had a look at the minutes for Bernardo Silva. He's played 90 minutes in nine of the last 11 game weeks. and I think he started the other two games as well. So he is as nailed in a Manchester City team as an attacker can be. He's only 7.2 million. He's got four goals and two assists. And he's got a lot of praise from Pep Guardiola recently, which I think I like most out of everything I've mentioned. Basically saying he's best player in the world in his position at the moment or some kind of comments around that about being you know, really on top of his game, which is why he can't leave him out of the squad. So I do think he is a viable option if you don't fancy Foden or maybe you don't have the cash for Foden. I think Bernardo Silva is a totally fine pick for the next couple of game weeks. Again, very cheap route into a very attacking team. When it comes to Bernardo Silva, again, historically, it's probably playing into my mind here. He's never been a great FPL option. He's not very exciting. You know, when you've got players like Jot and Foden who, who are more exciting, I do rather go in for those kind of guys. But I think Bernardo Silva can be good value, as he has been. I think he can continue to be good value over the next couple of game weeks. He is, at the end of the day, simplify it. He's the top scoring Manchester City midfielder at the moment in FPL. So yeah, I think he is a good option. And final one this week is from Ted Kelly. For the last 10 years of FPL, I've played by a rule of taking the absolute minimum four-point hits, usually with good success. But this year, my team is a mess, my wildcard is played, and I'm way down the rankings. Is it now wise to take a minus eight or a minus 12 to steady the ship? So yeah, if you're in the same scenario as Ted, I do like performance surgery in one game week rather than sticking a plaster on your team for three or four game weeks one after the other so your minus fours are your 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 sticking plaster maybe but if you go in minus eight minus 12 and just really root out the problems and bring in three or four good assets you know if you can have two free transfers and you know do a minus eight on top of that if you make four changes you know very quickly your team can be looking a lot healthier so yeah if you're not happy with your team just use the hits to get to where you want to be. Don't be afraid of the hits. You know, Get to a starting 11 that you're happy with that gets you excited for every weekend. And don't worry too much about the hits. Just use them to fix things and hopefully that will fix your issues. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. 
Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Game week 13 captaincy and transfers. Now, captaincy, first of all, I've gone to my captaincy matrix to see what it says. You know, I updated it last week for the next four or five game weeks. For this week, it says Captain Mohamed Salah at home to Southampton. Do not overthink it. So that's what I will be doing. And I think that's what a lot of people will also be doing. Who are the other options? Vardy is at home to Watford. If you're going to be one of the stubborn managers, well, stubborn's a bit harsh. If you if you want to keep Vardy because he's got good fixtures, you know, it's he's a captaincy candidate when it is Watford. But again, you know, Watford very impressive against Manchester United. What, what impressed me most about Watford was when they didn't have the ball, they were so hungry to win it back from Manchester United. So I think Ranieri's doing a good job there so far. So that puts me off for the captain. So, you know, Watford are playing well. Leicester are not playing well. So why would you captain Jamie Vardy? Son and Kane are away to Burnley. Some people might fancy the captaincy on that one, particularly with Tarkowski and Westwood ruled out. Maybe Tottenham will have more joy in attack this weekend. And Manchester City play West Ham. So, again... Pep always scares me off a little bit with captaincy. Hard to captain Foden when he's blanked in three games. And I think the main reason why it's it's hard to captain Foden is he started a lot of the last few games. So maybe he will get a rest at some point. I mean, he definitely will get a rest at some point. It's just trying to pinpoint when that's going to be. So that puts me off Foden. So again, it just comes back to Salah, as it often does. Captain Salah at home to Southampton. I think that's the way to go. I mean, if you, if you want to be different, if you're down the rankings or down your mini-leagues, and you fancy doing something different. If Jota is fit, I like him as a captain against Southampton. And if you've got Sadio Mane, I think he's a good option as well. Even Trent probably should be in the conversation if you want to do something different. In terms of transfers for Game Week 13, I've got two free transfers and I cannot wait to perform some surgery on Friday. My notes here are, I'm going to use my two free transfers to get two of my top targets. Reese James and Diogo Jota. To do so, Vardy has to go. So I need to free up the cash from somewhere. And Vardy, to me, makes the most sense. My current thinking is to get Josh King to have a strong first sub for the festive fixture. So Josh King would come in and he would become my first sub most game weeks. Although... I will be tempted to start him ahead of Antonio this week because Antonio has Manchester City. So that's probably a decision for Friday night slash Saturday morning. So the plan is get rid of Ben White, Mbumo and Vardy for a minus four and bring in James, Jota and King. Moving to a 4-4-2 from kind of in a 3-4-3 at the moment or, or a 3-5-2. So moving to four at the back with Liveramento. Uh, Josh King first sub most weeks, but maybe he will be in the starting 11 this weekend. That would leave me with around 1.5 million in the bank for future transfers. So, you know, I could go a little bit more expensive with the Josh King 
player. You know, I could go for a Saint Maximin or something like that. Don't think I can afford Wilson. But I like the idea of having that bit of extra cash in the bank for future transfers. You know, maybe if I do get to a point where I want to upgrade Liveramento to a fifth defender, you know, more expensive defender, or if I want to upgrade Rafinha at some point or something like that, I've got the cash in the bank. So I think Josh King is the way I'm leaning. I won't be making any moves until Friday night. I need to see what the story is with Jota's knock first and let the Champions League and Europa League games play out to see if any of those change my plans. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode. I hope it's helped you decide what to do for Game Week 13. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support me as a full-time FPL content creator and get more podcasts each week, check out patreon.com forward slash FPL General or you'll find the link on my Twitter bio at FPL General. Have a great week, folks. Enjoy the Champions League and I'll talk to you again on Friday to round up the press conferences. The Athletic.